Attention, the views expressed in this podcast are not there to harm you, to offend you, but if you are offend you, let me offer you a tissue and you can get over your issues. Welcome to the Mad Dasher. Here we go again, stupid shit that Christians have to say and non-Christians have to say. It's all bullshit. These comments might be strong, but it's how I genuinely feel. Um, I don't care that you're a Christian. I don't care what the Bible says. Like, I feel like it's a clown show, like sitting here trying to decipher what your little mythical book has to say about these very real political issues, right? I don't care if you're Christian. In fact, I will fight for you to have your religious liberty and practice your Christianity. I believe in that. I don't believe in Christianity, which means that you do not get to dictate the way I live my life based on your religion. I don't care what the Bible says. You have every right in the world. All those women who identify with your religion have every right in the world to not get an abortion, to not take birth control, but they do not have the right to dictate my life and what I decide to do with my body. I don't care about your goddamn religion. I'm so tired of having nonstop conversations about what the the Bible says you live your life in the way that you interpret the Bible. Again, I don't care, but you don't get to take the Bible and tell me, well, the Bible says this in this chapter, in this verse, I don't care. I don't care. I don't believe in it. And I have the right based on our constitution to not believe in it. In case you were feeling a little tingly lately, your spiritual spider senses are probably up and you are saying to yourself, wait a second, are we in the midst of a massive spiritual battle? And the answer to that question is, Yes, we are. We are absolutely in the midst of a spiritual battle and we are winning. But what that means is that the king of the earth, as he is called Satan, will be upset at this and the very real life demons may manifest themselves. We believe in demons because we are just simple Christians. We read the Bible and we believe the words in it. Inside of all of the Gospels, Jesus deals with demons. Oftentimes, this is demon possession of human beings. There are demons that possess human beings, causing them to have supernatural strength, causing them to harm themselves, to behave like ravenous animals frothing at the mouth and harming those around them, and being an absolute reject from society. And, ladies and gentlemen, the rejects have taken to the streets, and that is why in the uh, fallout of the Roe v. Wade decision, you are seeing such feral, frothing animals roaming the streets and screaming into their cameras, screaming at the top of their lungs, changing their voices, having like deep and guttural voices, and scaring the literal hell out of all of us as we see that the left is showing that they have a deep mental illness problem. They have a deep spiritual problem. That's not just us saying that. Uh, The Recent statistics on belief in God and on religiosity shows that there has been a decline in religiosity and belief in God on uh, the wholesale American spectrum. But where are people declining belief in God? Well, um, it's the left, actually. Not on the right and not independence. Belief in God has remained consistent 
through the last approximate 20 to 30 years, the same belief in God, around nine, 80, between 80 and 90 percent muddling, between 80 and 90 percent belief in God on the right and in independence. But on the left, it is cratered from the 70s down into the 60s, and it will go even further because the left views as their tantamount church the government. And the government has replaced God, culture has replaced the church, and cultural icons and people in black robes and members of Congress and members of the political establishment have replaced deities. And so they believe essentially in humanism, and you're starting to see the effects of that. And so when you see the meltdown from Roe v. Wade, understand that these people are lost sheep and that they need to <laughs> they need to recenter their lives. It is a very sad and miserable thing to put faith in man. It is an awful thing. All you need to do is look at Joe Biden and his presidency. Uh, but we, uh, as believers, can sit back and smile a little bit and say, wow, this is the most pro-abortion administration in history. And Roe v. Wade collapsed under their horrific guidance. They have no one to blame but themselves. They pushed it too far. They lost the middle ground. And now they've lost the messaging. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. On behalf of the entire... Why, as a people, can we not just get along? And not throw our beliefs onto others and force them to believe what we believe. You want to know why prices are so high? It's because you're a dumbass. These conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own. Pro-life conservatives are obsessed with the fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no head start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. <laughs> Conservatives don't give a shit about you until you reach military age. <laughs> then they think you are just fine, just what they've been looking for. Conservatives want live babies so they can raise them to be dead soldiers. <laughs> pro-life. Pro-life. These people aren't pro-life, they're killing doctors. What kind of pro-life is that? What, they'll do anything they can to save a fetus, but if it grows up to be a doctor, they just might have to kill it? <laughs> they're not pro-life. You know what they are? They're anti-woman. Simple as it gets. Anti-woman. They don't like it. They don't like women. plan to bring down the cost of gas and food. It's going to take time, but let the world coordinate the largest release what I've been able to do. The largest release. Shut up, sucker. Shut up. It's cold, Pop. And first of all, keep my name out your mouth, sucker. You don't know me. Ever since you got office, I can't even afford cold Pops no more. I gotta eat one cone pop a day. I can't get down like that. I can't even afford cone pops no more.
You got cone pop all messed up, sucker. When Trump was in office, I had boxes of cone pops. Cone pop after cone pop. Everybody came to me for cone pops. First you put my name. First you put my name in your mouth. Now you messing with my cone pop. What I'ma do with this? This ain't enough. Cone pops for cone pops, sucker. Gotta go, Joe. Now I like to uh, add cover songs every once in a while. And this is the start of it with a cover by Link from Linkin Park, Breaking the Habit, performed by The Broken View. Thank <laughs> you. 
So I'm about educating people and telling people how stupid they sound when you go to a drive-thru or you go to a restaurant. And I'm going to point it out. If you tell me you want a cheeseburger, do not say I want a cheeseburger, just a sandwich. First of all, a burger is not a sandwich. Technically, it does fit the classification, but so does a taco and a pizza. Pizza is considered an open-to-face sandwich. And a taco is a hard-shell sandwich, technically. Because the technical term for a sandwich is meat between bread. I'm sorry, but you people sound like an idiot. And just because you order a cheeseburger, you don't have to say just a sandwich. We know people who work in the food industry, if you order a burger, you're just getting a burger. It's not a combo. Don't be that idiot. That is the biggest irritation people hear every day. I want a cheeseburger, just the sandwich. First of all, a burger, not a sandwich. Again, it's a burger. A hot dog is not a sandwich. It's a hot dog. You sound like a complete, uneducated dumbass. Okay, I'm going to open up about something that happened to me recently. I'm not mentioning the company's name, but they thrive on not following protocols. And they're okay with people dating in the workplace. So you got a manager who's dating an employee. Put it this way, he's almost 40 years old. She's barely 19 years old. He got her pregnant. To me, that kind of seems borderline pedophilia. And then in the same restaurant, you have a pedophile who works directly with the public and is in constant... Um, he's within arm's reach of children every day. And the company that I used to work for was okay with that. Personally, with the first one, if I had a 19-year-old daughter, I would not want her dating or getting knocked up by some a grown man who's almost 40 years old. To me personally, and when I talked to the higher-ups before I left the company, I had been told the lady, I said, okay, say you have a daughter who's 19 and she gets knocked up by a guy who's almost 40 and you're okay with it? She said her personal feelings have nothing to do with how they run the company. And there's no policy against fraternization. Yet, on the other hand, there was a false accusation against me that I was suspended because one of the employees couldn't go a day without hitting on every female at the restaurant. Underage, above age, not a problem. They didn't have a problem with it. 
but they suspended me as a manager because I ran the shift and this person was on my shift. They suspended me and him while they did the investigation. What I don't understand is they were investigating me also on because of what I've said about my podcast. All I said once was I had a lot of female listeners and I'm okay with having a lot of female listeners. I am open-minded when it comes to all my listeners. It just irks me that they use that as part of the investigation because that comment upset a young lady that I was working with because I said, I, I'm happy that a lot of my listeners were female. It wasn't a sexist remark. It wasn't any kind of bad remark. It was just plain fact that I have a lot of female listeners. And because I pointed out in the, in the conversation that my girlfriend at, said that I probably had a lot of female listeners because I had a sexy voice. And during this time, I also created an episode called Ladies Night where I talked directly to my female listeners. That was me trying to connect with my listeners. Because a good 95% of my listeners are women. And I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. I think that's pretty interesting. So because of my comment, there were sexual harassment charges pressed against me. My only recourse, because I couldn't work for a company who's okay with having pedophiles work there and 40-year-old men knocking up 19-year-old girls, which to me violates the trust between employee and manager. Stuff like this should not be happening in the workplace. I am very anti-dating people you work with in the workplace. I was brought up with great values that my father installed in me that said, do not dip your pen in company ink. But because of this, and they suspended me, I left the company. I can't work for a company who's okay with that. And like in this instance, the person report, a person reported me because I told them to put their phone away and do their job, do the job that we're paying them to do. So I was suspended with an investigation pending all because I told a young lady to put her phone away and do her job. Cause all she would do all the time was sit around on her phone, not do the job that we're paying her to do. And I just think it's wrong that it's, they're going to come down on me, suspend me without pay and then refuse to reimburse me the pay after I left the company for the hours I worked because I was salary. They should have paid it. I was putting in a hundred hours a week and getting paid for 50. I went above and beyond for the company. I was a big supporter of the company. I was actually the only manager at my store who cared about the company. I pushed my team and pushed my team and we had the top sales wherever I went, whatever store I went to, we had the top sales. We were the number one store in the company. 
or in the district. But that didn't mean shit to them because a lot of this, these things happened during the time when Bill Cosby went to jail for sexual harassment. Yes, he most likely did what he was accused of. And because I told a young lady that I need her to put her phone away and do the job that we're paying her to do, she filed a sexual harassment charge. And the stigma in the workplace started when I was at one store and I wrote up a young lady who was came in, who's worked there and was dating another employee and she would come up and hang out on her day off and disrupt my shifts and stop her boyfriend from working. So I asked, I told her to go home. I gave her a warning. She refused. I wrote her up. The next day after the write-up, she filed a sexual harassment on me. I was, their only recourse was to not investigate, not ask my side of it. They moved me to another store. The G general manager of that store called the next store and told them that I was a deviant and that I was a threat to the safety of young ladies. And... When I got to the new location, the same kind of shit was happening. I told a young lady to put her phone away. They knew the rumors. The general manager of that store told them if I did anything inappropriate to report it. Next thing I know, I'm in the office again, getting counseled for a false accusation that never happened. And what saved me was another manager overheard these two girls scheming to get me fired because they didn't like me telling them to put their phone away and making them do their job. Put it this way, anytime the company called me to come in and work, I worked. You would think I would be the kind of manager that the company would love. Someone who did their best to drive sales come up with ideas to try to make things better. But no, they didn't they didn't appreciate hard work in, in America anymore. If you're if you're one who goes above and beyond, they don't want to give you recognition. They just want to tear you down and tell you that you should dumb it down and be lazy like the rest of the team. I'm not that person. But anytime I didn't like bend over backwards or kick, kiss the server's asses, I was being talked to and pulled aside and go, Hey, they're saying that you're not helping them when I'm doing everything, including their job for them. But yet it was them who would walk over, pick up the, the check when the, after the customer left, collected the tips on the, the table. Yet I was the one in the wrong because I made them do their job. Hey, it's your job to clean up tables the plates you host come by they collect the glasses and wipe the table down and turn it over kids today are just lazy and they just want to go over they think their contribution to cleaning their table was making the host clean their whole table and then walking by and pick up the check and 
they said they busted their tables. All I saw them do was pick up the check, cash out the customer, and collect the tips. And then they bitched about the host not helping them enough, or I wasn't helping them enough. I would bust every table in the restaurant, and I wasn't doing any work. Companies are blind to the fact of people who work hard. They promote people that are lazy and don't apply themselves. Hell, I saw people get bumped up to higher management than myself, yet they could barely show up for work or they would do no call, no shows. To me personally, if I was running a company and you just didn't show up for work or you didn't call to the store, I would fire you on the first event. I don't want people to think that I run a company that I'm okay with them being lazy and not showing up for their work. The first time someone would show up to my company, the next day I saw them, I would fire them on the spot. Say, hey, if you can't show up for work, I don't need you. I'm not paying your salary for you to call out all the time. Oh, I got a bellyache. I'm sorry. I come to work every day, even if I've got the flu and I bust my ass. I'm an older gentleman now. I'm almost 50. I have a hernia surgery. I'll tell you what, probably the next fucking day, I'm going to be at work. Because I'm that kind of hardworking person. Everybody's like, work smart, not hard. I believe in working hard, but in a smart way. People who say uh, work smart, not hard, are just lazy motherfuckers who don't want to apply themselves. Personally, I don't think anybody should be in management that can't show up every day they're scheduled. If you're not the kind of manager that'll go above and beyond, I don't want you. But these are just my opinions. If they hurt your feelings, I don't care. This is just me opening your eyes to the mishaps and the stigmas in a company. If, a, if they know that you're accused of something, even though it's not true, it follows you to the next door. And when I talk to the higher ups, they're like, well, that, that general manager was just informing the next door that, that you, to, for safety of the staff, okay. But yet you're okay with a pedophile working in the front of the store who's in reach of children within arm's reach. This same pedophile manager who is married has two daughters and every time his wife was pregnant, he would try to sleep with the young ladies at the store because he wasn't getting laid at home. He only hit on underage girls. 14, 15, 16 year olds. To me personally, I think a person like that belongs in jail. He doesn't belong working in the environment where there's kids. But what do I know? I wouldn't hire a person like that. I'm not saying that they don't deserve second chances, but if I have young ladies working for me and I have a gentleman like that in my store, the first time I get 
get a phone call saying that he sexually harassed or assaulted one of my employees, I would fire him right on the spot. No questions asked. But if you're just going to, as a young lady, going to make a false accusation because you're lazy and your manager tells you to put your phone away and do your job, every company I've ever worked for, it says in there that your cell phone is not part of your uniform. That is to be left in your purse, your car, or your jacket. It does not need to be on you. You don't need to be on it. I don't care about you Snapchatting, you watching uh, TikTok. If you work for me, you work. You don't come to work and play on your phone. I'm the type of manager, I see a phone out, I will take it away. People, the only way we're going to rebuild America is we put these cell phones away, we do a, a job, we work our asses off, we make money, we help rebuild the economy that way. Simless checks are for lazy people. Stop being lazy. Help rebuild America. Thank you. Latinos and blacks come from a genetically mediocre stock. Yak, yak, yak. Get a job. Nah. I don't play well with others. Well, why, why do you think that is? I mean, why is that? I mean, is it just because people are, are lazy today or they're bored? I mean, are we just like bored, spoiled children who've just been lying in the bathtub all day, just playing with their plastic duck, and now they're just thinking, well, what can I do? Okay, yes, we are bored. We're all bored now. But has it ever occurred to you, Wally, that the process that creates this boredom that we see in the world now may very well be a self-perpetuating, unconscious form of brainwashing created by a world totalitarian government based on money, and that all of this is much more dangerous than one thinks? And it's not just a question of individual survival, Wally, but that somebody who's bored is asleep, and somebody who's asleep will not say no? See, I keep meeting these people. I mean... Uh, just a few days ago, I met this man whom I greatly admire. He's a Swedish physicist, Gustav Bjornstrand, and he told me that he no longer watches television, he doesn't read newspapers, and he doesn't read magazines. He's completely cut them out of his life because he really does feel that we're living in some kind of Orwellian nightmare now and that everything that you hear now contributes to turning you into a robot. When I was at Findhorn, I met this extraordinary English tree expert, who had devoted his life to saving trees. Just got back from Washington, lobbying to save the Redwoods. He's 84 years old, and he always travels with a backpack because he never knows where he's going to be tomorrow. And when I met him at Findhorn, he said to me, where are you from? And I said, New York. He said, ah, New York, yes, that's a very interesting place. Do you know a lot of New Yorkers who keep talking about the fact that they want to leave but never do? And I said, oh, yes. And he said, why do you think they don't leave? 
I gave him different banal theories. He said, oh, I don't think it's that way at all. He said, I think that New York is the new model for the new concentration camp, where the camp has been built by the inmates themselves, and the inmates are the guards, and they have this pride in this thing they built. They built their own prison, and so they exist in a state of schizophrenia, where they are both guards and prisoners, and as a result, they no longer have, having been lobotomized, the capacity to leave the prison they've made or to even see it as a prison. And then he went into his pocket and he took out a seed for a tree and he said, this is a pine tree. He put it in my hand and he said, escape before it's too late. See, actually for two or three years now, Chiquita and I have had this very unpleasant feeling that we really should get out. And we really should feel like Jews in Germany in the late 30s. Get out of here. Of course, the problem is where to go because it seems quite obvious that the whole world is going in the same direction. See, I think it's quite possible that the 1960s represented the last burst of the human being before he was extinguished, and that this is the beginning of the rest of the future now, that from now on there'll simply be all these robots walking around, feeling nothing, thinking nothing, and there'll be nobody left almost to remind them that there once was a species called a human being with feelings and thoughts and that history and memory are right now being erased and soon nobody will really remember that life existed on the planet. The best way to get something done, if you you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to Anyway, we're going to get a lot done. I'm telling you, it was embarrassing to be a man on the 4th of July in California because they are so wussified. They are so completely embedded in this political correct Marxist nonsense that makes you into this wussified, spineless piece of junk. Oh, kids, get 57 feet away from the fireworks and put on these safety goggles and get behind this plexiglass shield and avert your eyes and don't look directly in the flame. Daddy's lighting a snake pellet. I'm telling you, this is what passes for the 4th of July in California. (laughs) Do you hear me, men? I tell you this with great gusto and joy that nine years ago, I moved my family from California to Nashville, Tennessee. I became one of you all. I tell you that because I went out to grab my fireworks that first year and realized immediately I had found testosterone nirvana. (laughs) When I bought my fireworks and they came with a mortar tube. (laughs) With a package the size of my fist, 15 inches of fuse, just enough time to leap into the neighbor's bushes. I had to buy five hoses to wrap around my stinking house to prepare a week in advance. You want to know the difference between the 4th and California and Tennessee? Here's California. Tennessee.
old-timers try to join in, they can't even give you a thumbs up anymore. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that ain't nothing. When we were your age, we used to hold them. <laughs> that is the sound. Good people that believe in states' rights believe in traditions and it's from what <laughs> what year did we gain our independence from great britain uh in 1492 what was the name of the war that won us our independence the civil war world war ii one I don't know. <laughs> I didn't pay attention in history. Who won the Revolutionary War? Oh, South. Who was the first president of the United States? <laughs> how many letter A's are in the word independence? Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> so I'm going to say three? A-E-N-D-A-N-C. Oh, you're the English teacher. I'm so embarrassed. What do Americans celebrate on the 4th of July? We are back in Jacksonville for another edition of Pop Quiz on the Beach. But this time, we are doing a special 4th of July edition where we're going to find out how much these people know about the 4th of July. Why do we celebrate the 4th of July? I don't. I just like to eat barbecue. Okay. Yeah. Is that how I'm supposed to answer it for real, for real? Oh, these are your answers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, why do Americans celebrate the 4th of July? Um, in my household, it's another day off work. Okay. And there's some more barbecue. What do Americans celebrate on the 4th of July? Pass. <laughs> Who did we gain our independence from? I don't know. <laughs> Think long and hard. Does anything ring a bell? No. Who did we gain our independence from? What? <laughs> okay. Pass? Yeah. What famous document was signed on July 4th, 1776? Uh, I'm going to take a stab at it and say, uh, I don't know. <laughs> has to do with another country. Do you know what that country is? No? Does Great Britain fighting the U.S. for their independence ring a bell? No, not at all. You don't know, you don't know how we became America? What year did we gain our independence from Great Britain? Uh, in 1492, Christopher, <laughs> I don't know. Well, at least you know about Christopher Columbus, right? What year did we gain our independence? Oh, I don't know either. No. Nope. Do you at least know what our national anthem is called? I haven't got to, I haven't got to do it so long. Like, I forgot everything. To watch exclusive and behind-the-scenes footage from our trip here in Jacksonville, sign up at libertyhangout.tv.
And uh, if you sign up there, it automatically gives me an umbrella from this rain, so I could really, could really help out. You sign up, I get an umbrella. Yep. Well, uh, do you want to know my actual response to all this? I mean, do you want to hear my actual response? Yes. See, my actual response, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to, to survive, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to uh, earn a living, just trying to pay my rents and my bills. I mean, uh, uh, I live my life. I enjoy staying home with Debbie. I'm reading Charlton Heston's autobiography. And that's that. I mean, you know, I mean, occasionally, maybe. Debbie and I will step outside, we'll go to a party or something, uh, and if I can occasionally get my little talent together and write a little play, well then that's just, that's just wonderful. And I mean, I enjoy reading about other little plays that people have written and, and reading the reviews of those plays, what people said about them, and what people said about what people said. And, and I mean, I have, I have a list of errands and responsibilities that I keep in a notebook. I enjoy going through the notebook carrying out responsibilities, doing the errands, then crossing them off the list. And I mean, I just, I just don't know how anybody could enjoy anything more than I enjoy uh, reading Charlton Heston's autobiography or, uh, you know, uh, getting up in the morning and having a cup of cold coffee that's been waiting for me all night still there for me to drink in the morning and no cockroach or fly has, has died in it overnight. I mean, I'm just so thrilled when I get up and I see that coffee there just the way I wanted it. I mean, I just can't imagine how anybody could enjoy something else any more than that. I mean, I mean, obviously, if the cockroach, if there is a dead cockroach in it, well, then I just have a feeling of disappointment and I'm sad. But I mean, I, I just I just don't think I feel the need for anything more than all this. Whereas, you know, you seem to be saying that. Uh, it's, it's inconceivable that anybody could be having a meaningful life today, and, you know, everyone is totally destroyed, and then we all need to live in these outposts. But, I mean, you know, I just can't believe, even for you, I mean, don't you find, isn't it pleasant just to get up in the morning, and, and there's Chiquita, there are the children, and the Times is delivered, you can read it. I mean, maybe you'll direct a play, maybe you won't direct a play, but forget about the play that you may or may not direct. Why is it necessary to why not lean back and just enjoy these details? I mean, and there'd be a delicious cup of coffee and a piece of coffee cake. I mean, why is it necessary to have more than this or to even think about having more than this? I mean, I don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, I mean, I know what you're talking about. I don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, even if I were to totally agree with you, you know, and, and even if I were to accept the idea that there's just no way for anybody to have personal happiness now, well, you know, I still couldn't accept the idea that the way to make life wonderful would be to just totally, you know, reject Western civilization and fall back into some kind of belief in some kind of weird something. I mean, I mean, I don't even know how to begin talking about this, but, you know, in the Middle Ages, before the arrival of, of scientific thinking as we know it today, well... People could believe anything. 
anything could be true. Uh, the statue of the Virgin Mary could speak or bleed or whatever it was. But the wonderful thing that happened was that then in the development of science in the Western world, well, certain things did come slowly to be known and understood. I mean, you know, uh, obviously all ideas in science are constantly being revised. I mean, that's the whole point. But we do at least know that the universe has some shape and order and that, uh, you know, trees do not turn into people. Or goddesses, and there are very good reasons why they don't, and you can't just believe absolutely anything. Whereas the things that you're talking about, I mean, I mean, you found the handprint in in the book, and there were there were three Andres and one Antoine de Saint Exupéry, and to me that is a coincidence. But and and then you know the people who put that book together, well, they had their own reasons for putting it together. But to you, it was significant, as if that book had been written 40 years ago so that you would see it, as if it was planned for you in a way. I mean, really, I mean, I mean, all right, let's say, if I get a fortune cookie in a Chinese restaurant, I mean, of course, even I have a tendency, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, I would hardly throw it out. I mean, I, I read it, I read it, and, and uh, I just instinctively sort of, you know, if it says something like a uh, conversation with a dark-haired man will be very important for you well i just instinctively think you know who do i know who has dark hair did we have a conversation what did we talk about in other words uh, there's something in me that makes me read it and, and i instinctively interpret it as if it were an omen of the future but in my conscious opinion which is so fundamental to my whole view of life i mean i would just have to change totally to not have this opinion in my conscious opinion this is simply something that was written in the cookie factory several years ago and in no way refers to me I mean, you know the, the the fact that i got i mean the man who wrote it did not know anything about me i mean he could not have known anything about me there's no way that this cookie could actually have to do with me and the fact that i've gotten it is just basically a joke and i mean if i were going to go on a trip on an airplane and i got a fortune cookie that said don't go i mean of course i admit i might feel a bit nervous for about one second, but in fact, I would go because, I mean, that trip is going to be successful or unsuccessful based on the state of the airplane and the state of the pilot, and, and the cookie is in no position to know about that. And, I mean, you know, it's the same with any kind of uh, prophecy or a sign or an omen because if you believe in omens, then that means that, that the universe – I mean, I don't even know how to begin to describe this. That means that the future is somehow sending messages backwards to the present. Which, which means that the future must exist in some sense already in order to be able to send these messages. And it also means that things in the universe are, are there for a purpose, to give us messages, whereas I think that things in the universe are just there. I mean, they don't mean anything. I mean, you know, if the turtle's egg uh, falls out of the tree and splashes on the paving stones, it's just because that turtle was clumsy by accident. And, 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 and to decide whether to send my ships off to war on the basis of that seems a big mistake to me. Well, what? I'm just adding this in as, as a last moment thing, but there's still a contest going on for you to become a character in my newest book that's coming out next year sometime called The Blood Garden Book 2, Echoes of Silence to Echoes Remain. You can write me at Chad Wickwire, one word, that's C-H-A-D-W-I-C-K-W-I-R-E-0-0 at gmail.com. Get your entries in and you can be possibly immortalized in my newest novel, Echoes of Silence 2, 
the echoes remain. Well, boys and girls, that was our show this week. Uh, leave any comments or write write in at chadwickwire00 at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>